Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Andre, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thank you very much for inviting me here. I'm really happy, like, uh, and it's a nice opportunity to meet your speakers. So thank you very much for inviting me. Brilliant. It's great to have you on board. So tell the audience, who are you? What do you do and who do you work for? Uh, currently, I am VP of Engineering for Zillow. And Zillow is a group of company. We are leading United States real estate company, uh, real real estate tech company. Uh, like Zillow started as a company which provides search for properties, says that if you want to move to home, you can find information about properties around you. You can find uh, deep details about properties. You can search for them. You can find uh, what we actually make a Zillow. Its name is estimate what predicted price. Uh, but now in 2022, 20,000. 2023 Zillow is well beyond it. Uh, Our goal as mission is to help you to move, like to fulfill your dream, right? We have multiple different customers. We have our customers, people who wants to buy a home, people who wants to rent a home. And we understand uh, moving to a new home is whole process. It's not just to find something what's good house for you. Is then, you know, find a real estate agent who will help you uh, to understand properties, to look uh, like uh, to negotiate, uh, finding a loan, uh, depending on your financial situation, you may need a loan. So yeah. there is this whole very long process, perhaps one of the kind of like uh, hardest process in human life, right? Because <laughs> biggest investments of your life, buying a house in most cases. And uh, mission of our company is to fulfill your dream, to help you to move through this whole process. And uh, what we now, we build business processes, we build technologies on every step of this process. And then you ask about myself. So I'm VP of engineering and I lead multiple teams. One team is uh, like, uh, there are several teams, search, recommendation, personalizations, everything, how to help you when you come to Zillow.com or to our app, or when you contact us by our means, how to find home for you, how to recommend best home for you, but also how to find mortgage for you, how to move you to provide you information. Right. We also built a set of NLP, natural language processing technologies uh, through different type of our uh, how to guide you, like you know, like how to understand, for example, when you talk to agent. Uh, if you allow, we'll try like record this conversation, transcribe it, and then understand quality. How like you know, like how well was your process handled? Right. Uh, agent work well and so on. There are many different as NLP tasks we built. Uh, we built several conversational chatbots which help to different sides of business and they really improve business. Uh, so there are multiple like uh, multiple different facing sides of uh, business my team has but most of them are focused uh, in search uh, focused through natural language processing focused in machine learning and artificial intelligence of uh, facing business and our customers yeah sounds fantastic sounds really interesting and you've kind of mentioned ai ml machine learning quite often there so give us an example of a use case where this technology that you're working on ai ml um, and how that solves a problem for the customer, solves a problem in the market. 
Oh, there are many different cases, right? For example, when you come to Zillow.com or our app and then you type, so we recently launched natural language search, right? When you type, uh, like, you're looking for a three-bedroom house, uh, which costs more than $2 million, and in certain neighborhood, and there are many more, like swimming pools and something else, good public school, this, right? Uh, you apply multiple different technologies to solve this problem. For example, first, you have to understand uh, you have to understand query. You use natural language processing to process query, parse it into semantic representation. Yeah. Then you retrieve results to match this query. But then you have to rank them, right? And you have to understand also information about this customer, like what their preferences, like what region they're looking for what the like uh, size of the home and other preferences and rank results for the best customer benefit this one of technology. yes uh, like another what i mentioned for example understanding customer phone calls when customer calls and talks to agent and there are multiple other like oh, for example uh, loan officers right to convert audio recording into uh, like uh, to go into textual representations and analyze use natural language to process this representation and extract different insights which help us to improve our customer uh, to improve our calls or for example extracting information from images about houses right so as you see there are two main points like there are two main objects which our company deals with is customers and second is uh, houses properties right mm. like them well we need to understand properties well and we have information from the like uh, structure it which is given us by uh, different data sources but also we have images how to understand images to understand this has, house has a big swimming pool or this house has big large windows with a lot of light right or some other properties how to extract this information about properties so we build this technology to understand images extract information from them and then use in search recommendations so fantastic quite innovative as well i hear real passion around data and uh, extracting that and looking at your history and you've done some pretty interesting work for two other major companies that people might have heard of before Google and Apple as well just out of curiosity what was it like working in that kind of uh, tech environment it was very interesting right especially you know like I have a lot of friends who are still there and companies change over time so I came to Google immediately after my doctorate PhD from the University of Manchester in United Kingdom in 2006, right? So it was quite, Google was quite early. Its company started in 98, as uh, when Sergey and Larry started doing their work, went to IPO in 2003. So in 2006, it was a small company. I was employee number 21,000. Uh, like, as it was like a total number from the beginning, people leave. So it, less than 10,000 people in the company. I started in Google Zurich office. Uh, it was an interesting story. I got my job offer from Google Mountain View in California, but the visa quotes finished for that year, so they asked me to go to any other office. I went to Google Zurich office, and I think I was lucky because they started forming their search team. You know, like it was Google search was only in Mountain View, and Google Zurich had only one uh, team outside of Mountain View, which was focused on core search algorithm. And I was lucky to join uh, core of the core of search. It was a group which is still name is still secret. Uh, wow! Yeah, it was one of the secret group because it was working on the core, like core of the core of Google search, one of wow. the most important algorithm. 
uh, it was imp- like a very good experience for me. You know, like Google was still very little bureaucratized company. It was very much like a research team. You know, like uh, everyone was very well motivated, focused on you, understand how you bring benefits for the customers. You work independently. You basically like I met my manager first year only once. You know, like I worked with my mentor a lot, but I did not see my manager. Nevertheless, I delivered several very big and important projects for Google with big impact and then it was the same through other years right mm. so google is like really like you know, like this society of uh, like w- well communicating well contributing well motivated individuals and teams and mm. i really like my experience in google in those years and you know like apple i think it was a bit different i like apple as its big mission i built apple maps there i was co-founding team uh, wow. Like we started Apple Maps as two people, Apple Maps search as two people, then team grew up. Now it's very big team. And then I also contributed to Apple iTunes, App Store search, make very big changes there. And you know, like I really like about Apple as a customer facing huge mission company. Uh, but I found like I liked more working in Google because internal culture in Google was certainly better. Apple kind of, you know, like it's very compartmentalized company with, which consists a lot of small departments, little communicating with each other. And I yeah. think it was hurting Apple a lot, right? Because you don't have so much open. So like from cultural point of view at the moment, I like Google very much. Fantastic. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Because actually this is a topic that comes up very much uh, with many of our guests and tech leaders we speak to and also the tech audience is around the importance of that culture and the difference it can make. Obviously, in, not just about having fun and, and feeling welcome to work, but there's a kind of productivity and performance side of this. So from your Google days, you described the kind of the contrast between the two companies here. What was the essence that Google was doing right then? Was it just the motivation of people that was making a difference or were they doing something to create that motivation? I think there are several things which were Google doing right at the moment, right? Uh, motivation is very important, you know, like in every company is very important part of culture. And again, motivation, there are different ways how you can do motivation, right? You can just pay people a lot of money, right? <laughs> uh, but what was important in Google, you had this grand vision, right? You remember Google mission was provide people all available information. Uh, don't remember precise wording in the best possible means, mm. but uh, you know, like what you are doing, you feel very well connected with this mission, right? It's not only about us, you know, like it's search is more obvious because you're working on search and this is what Google use. But uh, if you work in Google infrastructure, you understand why you're doing this. If you're working, let's say, in Google Maps, you understand why you're doing this. So one of the very important was uh, this well connection to the mission. And it was not just by nature of work you're doing. So, you know, like many companies use OKRs as a way to plan. But uh, what my observation, Google was doing really to the spirit of OKRs as a uh, as a uh, design for because all OKRs from your individual contributor up to top of the company we are well connected you understand how is your OKR is connected to your team OKR how your team OKR is well connected to the top of the company to the your department OKR at the moment it was very few levels I was like number five I think after CEO right Google was very flat even though it was number four wow chain but you were through this like OKRs we are designed in such way such that you very well understand how your personal mission is connected to the company mission. Also, 
uh, you know, like in Google, you had multiple conversations with your leaders from your manager to like like a leader of whole search up to, uh, you know, like sometimes you could see even Larry and Sergey at that time. And in this discussion, you saw that all company was very much customer obsessed, right? In our machine learning heavy team, we had all conversations what our OKRs, they were like each quarter, different parameters, how to improve search for customers. Like, for example, uh, we don't like if there is certain amount of traffic when in top 10, top 10 queries, we don't have relevant results. Reduce number of those results. Mm -hmm. I work, for example, on foreign results. We have results in foreign languages, which customers don't understand how to, like when customer wants foreign results, we want to show foreign results, but when they don't want to show, we don't show. And so all your personal cars were very well connected, very clear, like uh, how they connected to company missions. There were no like abstract cars, like design five new machine learnings, wow. or cars were very customer. And then Google had a lot of transparency. You know, like you see, like first everyone can see what you're doing, why it's important, but also you can see a lot of what other teams are doing. Yes, it was very interesting moment. It's kind of early Google. At certain moment, Google started to be a little bit secret company, and repository was divided by size that you can see only in your team. But mm. then a Jeff Dean at certain moment, maybe it was 2003 or something here, make a copy of the repository and make it available to everyone. Wow. So that you can see a code of every other team and use it or contribute to this, right? You have whole visibility into whole company. Wow. And after that he did this, it remains there. So uh, I think like there were a lot of such cultural changes, cultural enablers, which make Google at the moment in 2006 super transparent. It was also transparent, not only from information but from processes point of view you can go to any team ask what they're doing get open answer if you're interested you can contribute to them and those things were very well motivating that culture was like transparency understanding connection to the mission was very well helping you to understand what your role in this world and how you can connect and why you're doing yeah i've got loads of questions for you because this a lot of this is resonating with me and i'm sure it's resonating with our audience as well in particular, you kind of mentioned the cultural enablers, okay, things that you put into the space where the right kind of culture emerges from that. What kind of things did Google do then to create those cultural enablers? Yeah, those really good question you ask. So I think structure of meetings was important, right? For example, certainly you had your team meetings weekly, and it's not just about meeting like you know, like when people can briefly tell what they're doing. Yes. Uh, each thing was a deep dive into one of person work when you can really deeply describe what you're doing and other people can understand what you're doing also. Team meetings were a very important part of this cultural enablers. Another important part was there were like bigger set of white meetings, for example, when uh, whole people from search team, of course, uh, when I started search team was 60 people in Google, and now I think it's still like 1000 or something. But uh, even a long time after that, the team was very be much bigger. You had like, like, uh, uh, like, I think it was twice per year, uh, or maybe even more frequent, when you have a day when every like every uh, team was presenting as a poster, what they're doing, and you could walk in this room. And uh, like Google was also paying size that people from, let's say, Zurich office or from Tokyo office can come to Mountain View, right, and present their results. And you can go and deeply understand and ask each team what they're doing. So you have huge this transparency inside your big department. Yes. And so really important, like, transparency 
transparency, but also motivation and also cultural enablers. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, generic guidance says that you like to be open, uh, like says that if someone asks your question, don't say you know, like you are passing boundaries. It's not your team. You're not allowed to ask this question. You honestly contribute. Uh, you can honestly answer. And if person interested to contribute, that was another cultural enabler. So I think one of cultural enablers of Google, which was enabling many motivation and other parts of culture, was more about this uh, information transparency and openness in both in information and process. I think it was a key part what I see or like early Google, what was enabling this as this company culture. But you mentioned fearless, right? I think it was another important story. So it was really important such that you can fail, you can do something wrong, but you will not be punished, of course, unless you're doing something intentionally to damage company, right? Yes. So what the funny story I remember, it was maybe 2006, Yola. Uh, so it was like, you know, like one of, like, it was one of big data centers was crashed because something was doing there and it was a data center with like 100,000 computers, servers. And then in TGF, Larry mentioned like, someone crashed data center who did it and then uh, one engineer comes out and like uh, he's scared like and sh shy and says sorry i was doing something right and that's my i don't remember was what was that which crashed this data center and then larry larry page says uh, you did a really good job because if you did this it means you really was going to like stretch some big work wow. which was so big that it was able to you did not it intentionally right yes. but it was you was trying something really big you know like and everyone got this message at this tga it was a tgf meeting on friday so yeah. i said you know you can fail, you can do something really big, like crash data center. But if you're doing something important, you're stretching, right? It's, you will not be punished for doing something better than intention, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, this critic of fearless culture, I know like, there are a lot of books about written about how to create fearless culture, how to make people open. But this such that, you know, like during your team meeting or during TGF, when Larry and Sergey and Eric Schmidt at the moment, they were like talking about something. You can raise your hand and ask really hard questions and get honest answer. And it was, you know, like uh, from that meeting, but this was going through all culture such that you can ask very hard questions at any meeting. You can openly express that you are not happy about something. Something, you think something wrong, you think this can be improved and people will listen to you was very important enabling element of Yolo Google. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love this. There's, there's so many areas that I'd like to dive into here, but um, I'm really curious as to how you've kind of brought this learning and being in this culture and seeing how much of an impact it made into your leadership. Do you bring this into your space as well? Yeah, I found it's important, right, to create these elements and they really like you know, like some elements of company, some elements of culture are company dependent, some of them really important everywhere. And what I describe like fearless organization, uh, open communication, I find that really important to make high performing team and I bring them to where I work in. Like for, and you know, like Zillow, when I came to Zillow, you know, like Zillow. Uh, maybe it's not so frequently in tech news on tech crunch or tech memory, right? But I found it's one of the, from cultural point of view, one of the most best organizations I work in. I would put it close to your Google, right? By openness, you know, like nothing is perfect, right? There are a lot of things to improve. But Zill is very well organized, very well from cultural point. It truly holds to its values. And uh, this, like, uh, we have these values encoded into our core values. They're available online, right? Not directly said, but like, for example, we have this teamwork, which very well coincides with fearless organization 
and openness culture, right? Uh, we have also like uh, I forget what's the English term, like uh, keep the lights on, right? Yes. Uh, uh, like it's all also about openness. So yes, I bring this. I found it's really important. You know, like uh, some organizations think like high performance teams is like when you assign everyone task and <laughs> they do task in time, right? Organizations don't work like that in long term, right? Maybe a short project you can kind of make people work by schedule, but you know, like in long term, uh, like organizations are good when culture is good, when people love to work there, when they stay there, when they're happy. And also they perform much better when you give them full ability to do work well. And for this, you must give them a lot of freedom, right? So that people do their best work when they know how to organize them, not when they are described by, prescribed by their manager every small mm -hmm. detail. And like those cultural nobles I bring, and I think they're really important, you know, like uh, if you see uh, teams within organization which performs to this cultural value versus team which does not perform, you always see a huge difference in performance of the team. And I always bring this value, so I think they're really important. That's great to hear. And you kind of mentioned earlier on around the mission, being well connected to it. How do you bring that about within the organization within at the moment? Yeah, so uh, this is another important how to connect people to the mission. Uh, and uh, there are multiple aspects of this. First, of course, is transparency, right? First, people must see what's the mission of the company because it frequently, I saw, can be lost, right? People kind of focused on their current projects. They don't, they don't see what, what they're doing this. And I found it's really important to have at least quarterly meeting with whole team, right? Besides that, you can go deeply, not about what we are doing, but about what company is doing, right? And for this, I use our board of directors, like letter to the board of directors, because it's a strategic document, which describes a lot of what company is doing at high level. And Zillu is like also like quite complex organization, right? Traditionally, Zillu was created now, as you see, Zillu group, not a Zillu company. Mm. We acquired a lot of companies, like for example, Trulia, like Street Easy, like hot pads they have own missions like one company is like creating real estate this huge mission in new york which is very big separate market uh there is company like uh, like uh department now which is about rental there is department which is busy not with property of how not with search of not with uh search of properties but with creating clone operations right so zillow is very diverse in its business function and it's very important such that even if my team works for certain business function everyone has full visibility into what company is doing and that's why I make this going through the uh, board of directors letters through other strategic documentation such that everyone in the company will have full visibility and understanding what we are company what our company this mm -hmm. first part visibility second is of course then alignment right uh, there are multiple levels of alignments like how you connect to core company mission and strategy and then like you know, like, there are, like there is this very good book by Jonathan Trevor from Oxford about alignment I really recommend this there are multiple aspects and uh like and how to align your team not just like you like you can everyone can see what our mission of the company but you're not aligned you're doing something different and it's mm -hmm. also happens right it may happen mission change but you're still working on all projects so it's very important size that also what we are doing is well aligned with company mission and not only mission but also values strategy and like vision versus vision uh, sorry vision versus mission right mm -hmm. And you understand how is it connected. And it's very important to bring through whole chain of management, understanding first, of course, mission, vision, strategy, but also how our team mission, vision, strategy is well aligned to that. Why there, right? How is it connected? If you're building this certain set of 
models to understand customers, how they contribute to this big company vision, right? So, and of course, it's also work. It's not just uh, we see that your mission is sometimes you have to work to realign, right? It's like requires constant work as company business evolve and change. You have to realign, right? Mm. Uh, there might be multiple changes, you know, like you're working on certain set of modeling of customers, but uh, now to customer mission, because you have to align not only vertical, you have to align with other stakeholders and partner teams and business team and product teams and technology teams. You may need to change what your team is doing, right? Hmm. So second is like a uh, vision of this uh, mission of your vertical teams, but horizontal teams also, but also continuous alignment to them so that you understand what they're doing, how you contribute to them. They understand what you are doing, how they contribute to you. So hmm. this continuous work on alignment is really important. Yeah. And my curiosity around that is that who looks after that? Because I can imagine somebody working in a department, for example, HR, they know how to try to create alignment within that department. What you've described very interestingly there is this kind of horizontal and vertical alignment. Is there somebody within the company that does that or does whoever feels that they need to create that alignment go forward and, and make that happen? Uh, certainly, it's a mission of every I would say every employee even to be aligned, right? But certainly it goes up more and more as it goes up in management chain, right? Because you know, like uh, at every level, the like error function, risk function, if you do something wrong is bigger, right? If you individually not aligned and doing something wrong, it's not good, but it's kind of has, but if you have a team of 500 people and you're doing something wrong, you're not aligned, it's much worse, right? Yes. So certainly it's work of every person, right? And at every person, every you must work like beside delivering what you're doing this now, you must understand how is it important, why you're doing this. And again, coming back, it's really also cultural, what company creates, how to encourage you. Because you know, like sometimes realign is hard, right? You can imagine you're working on something, you invest into this, you created a large code base, or you emotionally invest into this particular set of techniques. And then for company benefits, you have to start moving on something else. Sometimes it's emotionally hard for people, but company must properly encourage this, you know, like uh, there are multiple aspects to this, but uh, to create, and of course you have to create these processes, how to detect that you misalign, right? You have to meet periodically with your product partners, with business partners, understand their needs. It requires, you know, like one of the most important part of this work, what I found, right? I've noticed many technical, especially like, again, we're not working engineering case. I am leading a technical uh, team and I'm working with product and managers and sorry, business team, right? I've noticed kind of frequently technical people get over investment into a set of technologies they're working on and they propose to other teams use what my, what we are doing, right? Mm. Uh, for this, you must actually take very opposite approach. You must go and understand, like talk to business leaders, what they're doing, what's important for them as a business, right? Or read their documents, they have annual operating plans, they have quarterly plans, they have business reviews, quarterly and monthly, monthly business reviews understand what their business problems, right? And then focus what our technology can deliver to solve those business problems to enable better business development. So you have to change a way of thinking rather than, oh, we had built a natural language processing based on large language models. How mm -hmm. you can use it for your business? It should be opposite. What business problems do you have? What business, pro like, uh, business problems to enable? 
uh, we can do if we deliver you new technologies and then focus on that delivery. Of course, it's not so simple, right? Because sometimes the set of business problems they can deliver, they can think depends on their, te- on your, their understanding of your technology. Yeah. And if you don't have full understanding of your capabilities, uh, their horizon, like a line, can be a shorter, right? Because uh, something what is possible, it's not considered to be possible. So it requires a lot of advocacy and explanation as a technology at the moment we can go beyond this horizon you now can think about this like you know, like for example uh understanding of conversations right and doing different you know, like phone-based conversation uh, business conversations and doing nlp extracts right from them and understanding quality of work of particular agent or was this particular customer satisfied mm. five years ago was not possible like uh, quality of transcription was not that good nlp was not that good right and not every business leader understand how well this work can be done so it takes a lot of work to explain yes yeah. at the moment if you have a big set of thousand agents talking or business operator talking to people we can do this start to solve this type of problem think do you have business problems which can be based on understanding of conversation uh like you know, like there are many different approaches like what can be solved so this advocacy is another important so this alignment you know like i found the higher you move in your position the more time is actually takes this alignment right because if you do it wrong the more risk and error like more like uh penalty to company it brings but the writer you do the more rewarding function it's like multiplier right actually mm-hmm. so it's like when you align with 10 teams you improve their productivity uh many times right yes. so this alignment is really one of those multipliers of leadership role and that's why i find it's one of the most important part of technology leader function brilliant i love it it's great it's great to hear that you're bringing this to life and as i keep mentioning i'm going to mention it again this is a topic very close to my heart and I love the idea of creating these cultural enablers that bring about the best in companies and brings out the best in people as well. Excellent, excellent. So Andre, as we come towards the closing arc of our time together, I've got some really nice warm questions for you. What advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders listening to this podcast based on your journey, what you've learned? I think like like advice would be never stop self-development, right? So some time ago, I read this really good book by Kern. Uh, it's called like Professionalism. And he looks, it's like about, about people in aviation industry, about pilots. What really makes a good professional, right? And for me, it was very revealing. You know, like one thing, of course, is to be like very deeply professional and understanding your area. Second is following certain professional ethics, which actually we don't have much yet developed in our industry comparing to other industries because our industry is more new and I think it's important. But third, what makes you really good professional is continuous self-development. And I've noticed many people, you know, like it seems obvious, but many people miss this. Many people reach certain high level in their career and they believe, oh, I know already everything, right? They kind of go and listen to something just to keep like their resume updated. But I think it's really important continuously analyze yourself, what your shortcomings, what you're not doing well, uh, and then work to improve this, right? And you know, like whatever level you are. And any books or any other items that have helped you in your journey that you would like to mention? Yeah, there are multiple books, right? And that's what I mentioned. There is never like one enough book. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, and I kind of naturally see the world kind of complex. You have to learn a lot. Uh, so, for example, uh, there is a great book which was really important in my development by Rem Charan. 
uh, is uh, the leadership pipeline, how to build the leadership powered company. For me, this book was important. It explains that you know, like leadership role is very different, right? And it's not just different from individual contributor. It's at every level of leadership, you, have, you are supposed to do something very different than you did before. It's totally new type of job. And that's what you have to learn in your self-development. And there is a lot of other smaller stuff there about mentorship, about how to act as a leader, as a, a like, you know, like multiplier rather than, uh, you know, like if you're doing macro management, uh, you will never become multiplier. So that's a really important book. What I mentioned, Jonathan Trevor from Oxford has two books, Alignment and a recent book, I forget, it's I think Realignment, uh, like explaining this, like how to align your organization horizontally and vertically is really, was really important for me and understanding, right? Uh, Patrick Lencioni has a lot of good books. Five Dysfunctions of a Team was very important in my development. I read when I was in Walmart leading search, right? So that you have, he classified very well why it makes teams not working well, right? Lack of trust, lack of accountability. And you know, like, uh, there are not full, uh, never complete list of problems you solve, but you know, like, if you solve five of those problems, you guarantee that your teams will work much better. Mm, yes, absolutely. Uh, there is important book, I mean, like, you know, like, as a manager, you have to influence people a lot, right? Not only down, but as a parallel. So there is, like, uh, influence, the psychology of persuasion. Uh, what's his last name? Colazzini. Col- Col- like, it's a very well-known book, right? Sorry, I don't remember after name right now. A really important book, which uh, helps a lot. There are several, like, you know, like, Czech organization folks for focus books like staff engineer elegant puzzle I think very important in career development of tech managers right uh Michael Hayat the vision driven leader and what I've noticed in many organizations leaders forget to create vision for their teams yes it's another important right uh, focus on creating a vision uh psychological safety uh, Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson, another book what I found. It was actually a book which I worked uh, like two years ago, like one year ago, was really important how to work on this psychological state of safety in my team. So there are a lot of these books what I mentioned. And again, like never think that one book solves all your problems. It's yeah. really important continuously to read, understand what your current opportunity, what your current shortcomings, uh, what you have to improve and find books to help you. And not just read books, right? It's really important, again, books I've written in certain set, which this author is experienced in an organization. She or he worked. Always try, uh, try in your organization, see how it works, align, make it better, always apply it in practice. So practice is the most important. Absolutely. You've got to bring it to life. You've got to inject some life into the learning. And I've got a nice question here. I'm going to pretend to be a tech genie, okay? I'm going to offer you a wish for your leadership, for your industry. What would you wish for from the tech genie? It's a hard question, right? Uh, uh, actually, it's a good question. Actually, like coming back, right? So, for example, what I've noticed for me as a customer, the biggest problem. So, you frequently, like, for example, I use Expedia and there are some problems with my ticket. It was last year. And it was so hard problem to get customer support from them, right? Because you have to call, you have to wait one hour until they find agent who talks to you. This agent has a lot of inform- like problems to get. Uh, all information they need to resolve your problem, they need to, to communicate with other agent, right? So problem would be create a technology, which is now you see a lot of way going in that direction with large language models, chat GPT and other similar 
create a technology which can create a support, customer support for every organization, which will be capable to get all information about customer to immediately resolve customer request, right? You know, like last year, like I had this problem with travel, then I had problem with Comcast, then I had problem with my bank, right? Uh, sometimes you spend so many hours per day trying to resolve your sometimes seemingly simple problem, but you have to call because it goes through only agent. And there are other problems, like uh, like kind of they're more like sci-fi. I think yeah. transportation is still the biggest problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Want, like to travel to, let's say, I would like to go to London, right? Yeah. Uh, to see, it takes like so many hours to fly. So create as a tech genie, uh, <laughs> fast communication so that it can be like as a bus to London within like 20 minutes. It's just a dream, right? Fantastic. But out of software, create super, like, you know, like make this big advance in natural language processing and also of course includes speech recognition and so on such that every company can very easily create customer support for their business such that customers don't need to spend hours to resolve like some simple yes. problems they mean absolutely so i'm going to work on the uh i'm going to work on the teleportation side of things and i think you're going to make the other wish come true andre you're going to make that happen okay yeah <laughs> thank you so as we come to the full stop of the podcast is there a final word, key takeaway that you'd like to leave our audience as a parting gift? Uh, you know, like key takeaway is very close to what you asked me previously, right? Never stop self-development. I found it's really important, not only in your leadership, but also in life. You know, like I'm doing piloting, scuba diving. Some I see people sometimes, oh, I'm doing it well, they stop, right? And it's very important not just to be better, safer, provide, create more, but also it's very important for your feeling of life and fulfillment of your mission, right? And move forward such that this month I'm doing better, not only my job function, but my sport practice, my life, right? My relationship. So never stop self-development. I think this is key. What I believe is really important for everyone. And this is what everyone should do. <laughs> A great note to finish on, Andre. Thank you for your time. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Yes, thank you very much. It was really nice talking to you. Really enjoyable conversation. Really deep and important topics we touch. And for me, it's a lot of to think about. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andre. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.